what I do see is this grab for new clients and market share. And, and market share does drive revenue, but it usually comes at a cost. Welcome to the Step Change Podcast from me, Mike Foster, the Entrepreneur's Mentor. Now, my podcast is a series of thoughts to help you with the development of your own business and to make that step change that's often needed. We all know that if you want something different, then a step change is often needed compared to some small change. And in this Step Change Podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by my special guest, who's Nick Hughes, the Dynamic Sales Coach. Hi, Nick. Morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you uh, with us today. Uh, first of all, just tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words and uh, what it is you do. Okay, so uh, I'm Nick Hughes. Um, my role within my business and, and how I operate is a sales mentor and coach. And so I'll work with businesses to really help develop those top lines and those top line strategies and help businesses deliver um, value for their clients through sales, but also through their margin aspirations. Fantastic. And we're going to have a two-part conversation because I know we've got lots to talk about um, around that hot topic of sales, which is obviously your expertise. And I know, um, getting feedback from my listeners, that uh, sales is certainly a hot topic for them. Um, first of all, my first question really is that obviously we've been through the pandemic, um, the delightful of COVID. How has sales really changed post-COVID compared to the previous normal, if you like? The way I see it's changed and looking at the market, it's, it's, it's gone online a lot more, as you say. But how sales is approached has changed um, from that perspective of traditional sales uh, approaches that work face-to-face or key account management skills are not quite working online. So people are having to adjust and change how they go to market and alter their, uh, their strategies, but also how salespeople are presenting themselves either on the, on the telephone more or more, in this case, around um, virtual meetings. So sales from that perspective has changed quite significantly. And you can see the difference between people who've adapted to it really quickly because the sales are starting to grow or they're solidifying and the people who've maybe struggled with the technology and not struggled with that adaption um, have started to slip backwards. From what I see, I think it will only be here to stay. Um, it will certainly increase um, from what we had pre-pandemic. Will it be 100%? Probably not. Mm. Yeah, really interesting point because that's something I've observed that you know a lot of people have sort of obviously seen well I was driving an hour to get to a sales meeting mm. before now I'm going to try and do that virtually but now the world's opened up a little bit more people are seeming to sort of like go back to some sort of face-to-face how are you seeing people making the decision between when shall I do that online or when shall I actually go and do that face-to-face I think some of the more progressive companies have really started to assess what's the value in those um, those journeys of 45 minutes or an hour to a client Looking at that from a commercial aspect and perspective, is it worth it for the sale? What's the value in it? What's the margin from it? And if it's a low margin um, opportunity or low margin sale, people seem to be prioritizing those to be online meetings as much as possible. But there's then the client in this as well. Does the client want that online meeting or do they want the face-to-face interaction? And I think that's where the the challenge is going to come from an older style client who maybe wants to continue with that face-to-face but doesn't understand that actually the world has changed and has changed but yeah i think there, there will be a continuous evolution of the situation yeah that's certainly a conversation i have with uh, many of my clients is how your customer pre-covid is perhaps a little bit different to the post-covid client are you seeing that as well yeah yeah i think um you look at how clients uh, our clients or clients in general go into to market and things have changed yes there was a rush to go online to create shops and, and to create that opportunity to sell product and service uh, virtually or online but actually that's now taken clients opportunities down a different avenue and i think some businesses and some suppliers are slow to recognize that and how do they support their clients in, in making sure that they're supported through their own sales process to ensure that the 
um, the value is still there in that relationship. Mm, yeah, good point. Um, and I guess coming out the coming out of, of COVID and pandemic, many businesses are having to now rebuild their pipeline. Where should where should they start if they're having to rebuild? Do you think? It's a good question, and the traditionalists will say, "Well, we just got we we market more, we sell more, we generate more leads." One of the things that we've been working with some clients on recently, and trying to get other people to, or other businesses to focus on, is from their clients and their end users' perspective or their their service provider, and look at how that's changed to, to sort of backflow the model a little bit into your customers to understand how then you can support them from a sales or a marketing perspective, and it's about understanding that customer journey and your customers customer's journey and if you can understand that it puts you in a very powerful position so actually backflowing the process through it's given more clarity uh, in certain markets and certain sectors particularly with the product involved and how that is uh, being sold through the market and whether it has changed and then from there once you've built it back people can then start to support their clients and build that pipeline uh, and if it works in one client why wouldn't it work in another and another and it becomes a repeatable model mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that you use the phrase "customer journey" because that's a, a big part of conversations that I have. Um, are you finding that you know perhaps some businesses are looking at their own processes, like you say, between whether we're going to do it online or whether we're going to do it face to face? And as you say, perhaps not always thinking about the customer or the customer's journey and how that may have changed. Yeah, I've seen a couple of a couple of businesses um, who have almost stripped it back too far and starts to strip their process back to only be an online business. Um, who traditionally 90% previously were face-to-face. And in some cases it will work, depending on what the product and the service is. Um, but in other cases, I think it's going to be a little bit dangerous. I think customers like to see that gradual change. So when you make a sudden change, people go off and allow competition the opportunity to slide in and make slight adjustments that the client was looking for um, and enhance their offering as well. So I actually think in, in many cases, or the three or four cases I'm thinking of at the moment, People have jumped too far, too soon, too quick, and gone to an extreme. They they could also be pushing the boundaries of change. Only time will tell on that. Um, but actually, it's that slow, slow change. There's been a lot of change in the in, in the world in the last eighteen months. Let's be honest, and it was brought on at such a shock and such a rate, um, which we're probably unlikely to see in our lifetime again. And I think people are looking for some stability and a little bit of how do we change things slowly um, to capitalise on it and keep those customers on board. And and obviously, you know, when you're considering your sales sort of sales strategy and how that's going to change post-pandemic again, you know, do you think that enough businesses are considering the existing customer versus the new business? Because, you know, I see so many businesses attracted by their new business, new business, where do I find the new business? And forget about perhaps sometimes they're low-hanging fruit or actually just cross-selling into their existing base. It's a, it's a mantra that I've worked with for years of something which was in my training, which is always low-hanging fruit. You can always resell, cheaper to sell into an existing client and easier uh, than it is to go looking for new clients. But we're hell-bent, or I think sales are hell-bent on a couple of terms, one being new business development and, and NPD, new product development. When in reality, if we go back and do some simple maths and some simple um, uh, cross-referencing to see who's buying what, who's not buying it, and actually it's easier to sell those products and services back into an existing customer base than it is to try and create a new customer base. Have I seen that on, on a mass scale? Probably not. What I do see is this grab for new clients and market share, and, and market share does drive revenue, but it usually comes at a cost. But actually, I don't think businesses are looking back retrospectively to who they've lost, what products they've lost, why have they lost it, and can they go back and refill those? Um, leaky buckets, for want of a better phrase, in that in that uh, pipeline. Yeah, and obviously, things we're talking about is all part of the 
sort of sales strategy, isn't it? And that's a big part that you play as the, the dynamic sales coach. So tell us a little bit more about how you bus- help your businesses think about this strategy, the big picture strategy. So um, I'll take a real, a real life, life example from yesterday, working with a client, um, really the second session. And we're stepping back to look at not just what market are they servicing now and the geographical area that, that they service, but it's about stepping back and going, okay, where, where is this potentially to be used um, as a service offering? And asking them uh, some key questions around um, why, you know, why aren't we in those areas? Why have we not considered them before? And, and it's almost asking the dumb questions. You know, we, we talk about ask, having the dumb person in the room from time to time, somebody who is not technically competent, somebody who is not financially competent, because they'll ask simple questions of, so why do we do that and why do we do it this way? Why aren't we selling into that area or that product or that service? And in some cases, it's stepping back and asking those real basic questions. And there was some light bulb moment, moments yesterday with this, with this client in particular, which if they plan it right and they put it right, um, it could generate a significant um, increase in their turn, turnover, if not double their turnover over a couple of years. And it's a, it, it was something really simple that they just hadn't even thought of. Too stuck in the weeds, too, um, too much can't see the wood for the trees. Getting them to step back um, can, can reveal an awful, an awful lot of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess that's uh, where you play your part, I guess, in terms of playing that devil advocate, asking those <clears throat> those sort of searching questions to get them to think a bit deeper into how they're going to approach that. Yeah, if anyone's telling the, um, uh, even talking to the uh, to the sales director yesterday, very competent guy, being in and around the industry for years, and we're, we're asking, I'm asking these questions, and I can see his face changing, going. Oh, I should have asked that myself. I knew the answer to that question before you'd even answered it. So it's the basics, and we leave, we lose the basics sometimes. Mm. And that's part and parcel of, of my role is to go back and challenge what people are doing and to ask some of the basic questions to why are you doing it and why don't you do the X, Y, and Z. Fantastic. And you know, I know from people I've spoke to who've had conversations with you, the value that you had. And I'm going to carry on, I guess, sucking that value for, for our listeners today. And uh, a common phrase that I've touched upon already is pipeline value. So... Do you have any recommendations to how businesses can value their pipeline, if you like, but with confidence? Yeah, half it. <laughs> Whatever, whatever's in the pipeline, half it. Um, and it, it, it's just a matter that has become relevant to me in many years. It doesn't matter what sector, what product. We can qualify, we can pre-qualify, we can move people through the pipeline. But invariably, a lot of it is out of your control until, until that very last sort of section. As, as a... As a a general rule of thumb, if somebody shows me a pipeline, I usually half it and go, right, we're getting probably close to what the reality is. There are some exceptions to the rule. How can we um, uh, qualify that and move it through through the pipeline quicker? Uh, for me, it's all, about, it's all about that questioning and some of those initial discovery meetings about being quite, not tough with our conversations, but searching. So those more probing, open questions followed by more probing questions around timings, commitments to either the expenditure um, to whether it's the right idea, the right product, uh, or the right service for people. But it comes back down to some of those really, really basic sales skills, which I, I think the market has lost. Generally, in the UK, we've lost our way uh, over the last uh, 10 to 15 years around training, sales training. It, it is an old metaphor, um, but it, it comes back to, to doing the basics and doing the basics well. And you see this, and you go back to one of your first questions, Mike, around you know, effectively who's been successful since the pandemic. It's those salespeople who've got really ingrained good skills and they just managed to hate to use the word pivot when they come online. Yes, they might be a bit more polished in their in their presentation, but they're able to ask those basic questions in a number of different ways to get the information that they need to make a successful relationship. Mm-hmm. And in terms of 
actually sort of valuing the, the pipeline, you know, one of the tr sort of traditional ways I see is that someone might have a four-step sales process mm -hmm. and they might say you know, 20%, 40%, 60%, 100% or whatever mm -hmm. of that value that that deal might um, progress. Is that still the way that people look at sort of creating their value in their pipeline? Yeah, you, you see some more complex ones these days, usually maybe seven steps um, around pre-qualification um, and then moving it through to, to actual deal done. How are people valuing, valuing that? It slows the process up, I think. CRM in many ways has been a positive impact, but also a negative impact on progressing sales through. Um, people who are fully immersed in a CRM system that is easy to use, yes, you can see that progression. And you mentioned some percentages there at 20, 40, 60, and 80. Um, you can break that down a little bit further, but it's the gap between getting things from 20 to 40. It's the detail of how do we move things along within the sales conversation. And I think that's probably the detail that we miss and sales managers miss it, business owners miss it, and they just say, no, how do we get to 40%? How do we get to the next stage? But we're leaving lots of information on the table, and we don't really know some of these. And for me, as they start to progress, when you see uh, businesses and businesses I've been involved in, where they get to the sort of 70 80%, and you think, right, this is on, it's going to happen, and then the numbers start to fall off and fall off and fall off and fall off. And when you start to go back and review that, very often they were lost at the very, very early stages. We just didn't recognize it. But we put salespeople under a lot of pressure to move things through at a pace without that qualification. And you've used that word a few times, qualification. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges, I think, of someone who's not perhaps been sales trained or has a fear around sales. You got any tips about how we can best qualify the leads that come into our pot, if you like? Two, th two things stand, uh, stand out for me. One is the urgency. So one of the things that I'm seeing pre-pandemic, and I'm surprised that we're still seeing in the pandemic, bear in mind, businesses are saying, business isn't great, it's coming back, but it's not fantastic, is leaving things for too long in the system. And whether that's an email, whether it's a telephone call, for people to go back and, and start to qualify those, um, those things quite quickly. Because once it's been in the system for more than 24, 48 hours, whether it's a telephone call, an email, or a CRM system, or, or, or even a contact through the website, it's starting to go cold. But people then start to qualify, and they think they then start to qualify it for a sale, but actually they've been too slow to the process. The other element which I would look at is actually the sales process within the business. How do we engage with clients, and how do we take them on that journey around processing um, the inquiry or and moving things through the process. And, and it's a set process in, in most businesses. It's not written down. Very often it's in someone's head, but there'll be a program of things that the business goes to. But actually breaking that out and breaking it out so people understand what the elements are. So I suppose I'm being an advocate of having a definable, repeatable sales process. Um, because once you've got that, if it's going wrong, then you've got the opportunity to go back, review it, and mm. amend it. Mm. And, you know, um, from conversations we've had before, I'm a, a big advocate of breaking down that sort of sales process. Where, where does a business start in terms of breaking that down, in terms of making it more manageable and making it easier, I guess, to convert from point A to point B to point C to point D? One of the journeys I try and take clients on, not every client, but in certain circumstances, take it the other way. What's the, what's the client's journey? If you can understand the customer's journey and they touch points within your business and how that comes about, it sort of helps define um, the the the, uh, the points a little bit better because we always look at things what works for us what works within our constraints of our existing systems whether it is the sales system the finance system um, uh, the CRM 
but actually taking this from the client and looking at what's the client's journey. So very often we'll interview clients and say, what's the sales journey like? And more often than not, it's horrendous. But they have no option. They've been used to it for years, so they don't want to change. And asking them, what are the pain points to make the decision more effective and quicker for you? How can we make this client behave in that manner? So the process speeds up for both parties. Very often, um, I see it from <coughs> sales trainers and other, business, uh, other businesses, they try and force it onto the client. The client's not ready for the change. So let's go the other way and let's understand what is the client really needs. Really good tip. Really good tip. And again, that's one of the things I, uh, when I'm talking about systemization of anything in the business is think about the end in mind. So that's a, a great tip. Well, thank you, Nick. Um, that sort of brings to, to the end part one of our, our conversation. Um, as I thought you would, you've added uh, loads of value for the listeners and I hope they had a notepad and pen to take some ideas or need to, to listen back to, to this again or join us for part two where I've got loads more questions to ask you and uh, and draw out that uh, that expertise around sales that you often share with us so thanks again for, for joining us for this episode in the meantime before we get to part two how do people get in touch with you if they want to know a bit more about how you can support them um probably a couple of options um probably the best one is through the website which is uh, uh the usual www.dynamiccoachgroup.co.uk or by all means drop me an email nick at dynamiccoach.co.uk or there's a call 07834 491 634 we don't bite so you've been listening to the step change podcast with me mike foster the entrepreneur's mentor and my guest today nick hughes the dynamic sales coach um, tune in for uh, part two in a couple of weeks time where we'll be carrying on this conversation around sales and in the meantime please do subscribe to the podcast and you'll be one of the first to know when we release those episodes